Have you ever had a moment that shattered your best laid plans? Yep, shit happens. You're lost and not sure how to pick up the pieces. Discover a higher level of results when you join the Fab Five as we take you on a weekly adventure shifting you beyond your best plan. We reveal how to elevate your mind, body, and spirit and create a harmonious life. The Fab Five is passionate about making the world a better place. Through sharing our gifts, talents, and stories, you'll obtain the resources, strategies, and tools you need on your journey of healing and growth. Step into your authentic self, moving beyond your best plan. Welcome to Beyond Your Best Plan, the podcast where we inspire you to move beyond what you believe you could move beyond. Today, we have four of the Fab Five in the studio. Meet Sarah, whose mission is to educate peers and help entrepreneurs to become more effective leaders. Catherine, whose purpose is to help others end internal suffering and accomplish their dreams. Claudette's mission is to help people on their spiritual path go from zero to 60, activating their inner guidance to heal and grow. And me, I'm Whitney. And I'm on a mission to help people do the work they love and love the work they do. Do you remember this quote? There's no place like home. It's from the Wizard of Oz. Home is the starting place of love, hope, and dreams. Home is not a place, it's a feeling. And then I want to leave you with this final thought. Let your faith be bigger than your fears. Even though it may be a dream, the thought and process of purchasing and owning a home is not without its emotional challenges that accompany all the other hoops it takes to make that happen. In this episode, we'll be talking about buying a home and how your fears and emotions might play into interfering with the grace and ease that could be your purchase experience. Sarah, one of our three in-house real estate professionals, is leading today's discussion on stepping past the limiting beliefs of home ownership. Sarah, take it away. Thank you, Whitney. And I'm so happy to be on the show with you all today. Stepping past your limiting beliefs on home ownership is such an important topic. I think it's something that's not discussed quite enough with the general public. And I think it's a topic that's not even acknowledged enough with the general public. I think some people simply aren't aware that they're having these intense feelings and maybe be living in an avoidance when it comes to the opportunity of buying a new home or being part of owning your own home. One of the things that we've recognized in working with clients is when it comes to buying a home, the fantasy and the excitement is really wrapped in in the looking We all get excited to go out and look at homes and looking at the homes online and looking at pictures and we get really enveloped into the dream of what we're aspiring to do. But the reality is, is there's some financial part to this back end stuff (laughs) and what we've noticed, I've been doing real estate for over 18 years now and 
I've definitely noticed when I ask someone to get pre-approved for their mortgage, it can often feel like you're asking them to do their taxes. (laughs) No one loves to do taxes, that's for sure. And oftentimes getting pre-approved for the mortgage seems to be the stumbling block. And so it's an important topic to talk about because what is it that's preventing us from moving forward into something that's going to be so beneficial? Uh, We have taken a hundred years of time and really looked back and known year after year, no matter the market, through a collective period of time that home ownership creates independent wealth. It creates an option for you to pass on money as a legacy or property as a legacy in the future. This is one of the reasons why owning a home is so important. But that financial piece, unless you have all cash and ready to pay, unless you won the lottery last week, there's generally a mortgage involved and tends to be one of the last things that people really want to engage in is getting pre-approved or even, as we recommend sometimes, getting all the way through underwriting so that we're competitive when we do write an offer. It's been extremely hard for buyers lately. And so we've been having these deep conversations about don't delay. Make sure you get fully underwritten before you get out there shopping for a home. Of course, the market's changing as of today. We're in October of 2022. and But at the same time, we still need to get the money portion out of the way. As a realtor, we commit to showing potential buyers and those are ready, willing, and able. The keywords, they're able. The willing part's the dream, right? They're ready. They're focused. They're into it. They're looking at homes online. They're wanting to go see homes. They're looking at open houses. They're going to new construction. But the bigger part is able. We commit to bringing able bodies into people's homes. And that's the mortgage aspect. So it's not we're trying to figure out how much you make. (laughs) We are trying to figure out how much you can afford. But there's so much emotion that pops up around money. It's a big deal for a lot of people. And it's actually preventing some people that I personally know from buying. Their fears, their ego, and their intimidation is preventing people from moving forward financially. So today's topic, I want to open it up to the floor of all these amazing people. All of us actually are homeowners. So you're getting a perspective from we've all been there, done that, and had those feelings around it. But also three of us are realtors. And add to that, Catherine's a financial advisor. Yes, she owns Fit District, but she's also a financial advisor. So she runs into the same issue around money quite often as well. So I want to talk about what those emotions are, how can we get past them, and what's really limiting us to not doing something that's really, really big deal for not even our future, but for the future of others. Claudette, I'd love to hear from you as to what your thoughts are around this topic. You've been in the game of real estate longer than me and have seen quite a bit more than me as well. And you've been on the mortgage side. So I think that you bring a really unique perspective. Hi, and I'm and, excited and you to hear know, from you. we're doing this. I think it's great you came up with this topic because it's so, it's on the back of everyone's mind, whether they've bought a house and they're not looking. I think everyone has 
thought about, do I buy an investment property? Do I want to do this? I mean, I talk to people about this all the time. And I think there's a lot of fear in the market right now. Would you agree with that, Sarah, with the rates going up? Absolutely. There's a lot of fear and there's a lot of unknown. And that brings up a whole nother series of situations added to. Yes. So the rates are higher because I I was a mortgage broker at this point, 12 or 15 years. I can't even remember. But um, rates are higher than they've been since 2002. And so there's a whole gamut of buyers coming in that they're just in shock. They're like in price shock. Rates have doubled in a year. And so I've had a conversation with a lot of people that they're like, we're going to wait for them to come down. And, you know, my background before I got into real estate, before I did also the spiritual coaching, my background was analyzing rates and economies. So that's what I used to do. And I've been telling people we've had unnaturally low rates. Like we're actually back to where averages are. Average is around five. Like, and we're at just under seven right now. And when I bought my first home, I was eight and a half percent. And so it's really just perception, but there are ways to lower your monthly payment. And because the market is softening right now, it was a seller's market aggressively like three months ago. And then that has shifted because it's softening. There's ways to get the seller to buy your rate down, improve your payment, increase your buying ability. But you know what? You have to overcome the fear that Sarah mentioned because you don't know that until you're willing to have the conversation, get the numbers looked at. I know a lot of people are embarrassed that they won't be able to afford what they want to afford. So... Claudette, what's that emotion though? What is it embarrassed that they can't afford what they want to afford? What is, what would we classify that emotion as? Like, what do we wrap that around? I think enough is the base fear. And then I think all these other fears around it, like rejection, right? Like that plays on it because really what's behind rejection? I wasn't good enough for you to like me, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think the not enough, I don't make enough. Um, I, I can't afford enough of a payment, um, all these things. But my thing is let's get creative. Let's at least find out where your starting point is. And then let's see what options are out there. Certain people don't understand. We have options with USDA. If you buy outside of a city, an urban area and USDA, you, you can go directly to USDA. I don't even know if you know this, Sarah, but it's not even through a lender. They can go straight to USDA and have a preferred rate. There's also nonprofit organizations that will supplement and give grants for purchasing homeowner. I mean, let's start somewhere. Let's just see where you are, what is comfortable for you, and then what is available. Like if you don't do that, it's like walking down the road with a blindfold trying to cross the street. You know, it, well, and let's put that into perspective. We have a a woman who has graduated college, and she's in her second job, right? Not her first. The first one, you're like, meh, and you usually get out of it and get into your, you land into your second job, and she's paying twenty five hundred dollars a month in rent. 
What is enough then? Isn't $2,500 enough? Enough for something. So if you're having that fear around not being enough, let's focus on what you're enough for today. And you're apparently enough for $2,500. You're enough for that $150 electric payment. You're enough for these things you're already enough for. Let's see where you fit in the real estate market and are enough in that moment and what you can qualify for. That's such a good point because you got to start somewhere and maybe you have a dream to be somewhere that the payment would be 4,000, maybe the location you desire, but figure out where you are first. And if you figure out where you are, then you can kind of catapult from there. You could say, maybe you you would say, I'm going to wait a year and I'll restructure everything, but not doing it and having a fear of finding it out is the thing that will limit you. And yes, real estate is one of the better, I mean, it's how I'm handling my retirement. Like it's one of the better avenues for building wealth and consistency and cash flow if you're renting and different things like that. And listen, okay, I'll end this though with listen to what your mind is telling you. So I have agents, I have offices in a couple cities and in one of those cities, my I had an agent that was like, the market's terrible. It's getting bad. It's, it's all the negativity. And I've been in this long enough, 26 years, to go up and down and up and down. And there's always a structure of a deal that makes it worth buying. This is what I've realized. There's always a way to make it worth buying and to benefit. And, you know, even with high rates right? Even with all of the limitations that we are experiencing right now, but the good thing about it, you might have higher rates, but you don't have 30 offers on one house now. So you can begin to structure things. And this is where it also pays to work with someone that is creative, that knows what they're doing. They're not just an agent that just writes an offer and hopes for the best. They actually know how to negotiate. They know how to structure a deal. They know how to work with the lender. They know how to put all the pieces together for you. And guess what? As you lean into the lion on the path, you're going to see it becomes a kitten. Do not run from it. The very thing we fear gets all of our energy. Lean into it and take your energy back from it. And see where you can start. And then you can decide. At least if you know where you are right now, you know where to go from there. So don't let the fear of not making enough or not being enough at a deep level or any of it stop you from figuring out your next strategic financial move. That's all I guess. say. Leaning in and getting started. That is a perfect quote, Claudette. Thank you. And that that's where it gets going. I love it. I love the leaning in. And one of the things that I do, I get to do, is talk to people about financial decisions and really identifying like the logic part of it and then the emotional part of it. Because all big all decisions have both, especially massive financial decisions like purchasing real estate. And so logic is like 
does this fit in your budget, right? How does this impact you tax-wise, right? Emotion is like, oh, this is going to feel so good at Christmas time, or I can drink my coffee in this cool little nook and write in my journal, or I want this big yard, you know, and it adds on to this. And so there's a lot to weigh, and this is a massive decision for many people, right? Some people, they kind of just know what they want and it's like, let's go, right? And so I love how you mentioned the $2,500 rental payment, Sarah. You know, I remember when I was like looking for, decided to buy a house. I mean, mine was very logical in that I knew that I was paying a rent at about that level, actually, $2,500, a little less than that. And I knew I could get a mortgage for right around that same payment and probably cost me even a little less because I would get some nice tax benefits back from owning that home, which exactly is what exactly shook out for me. I knew I wanted a pool in my neighborhood. That was probably the about the emotion of it. And and it was like, okay, found the place. I found it to be pretty straightforward, simple. Like I knew what I qualified for and it was, you know, so it's like, but we all go through these processes in our mind. I knew I wanted a little more than just like a pool in my neighborhood, but you know, it was like, I knew the area I wanted to be in and you know, that kind of thing. So, and also looking at like market values, I I wanted to be in a neighborhood where there was some more upside potential. Cause I live in, in an area where, you know, like part of it is like super high market rates and values and super developed and all that kind of thing. And then, you know, there's other neighborhood little pockets where, you know, development is happening and market rates and things are a little lower and more room for growth. And that was like also the category. So I would say like for my personal experience, the home buying process was more in kind of just like the logic side, like budget, taxes, market rates, right? And I think it's important to be grounded in that, right? Because I also have several clients that, you know, they have a huge real estate portfolio and a huge net worth in that respect. However, they don't have a lot of liquidity. Real estate isn't liquid, right? You have to, because there's a selling process. So you can't, by liquid, I mean turning it quickly into cash. It's a process to do that, right? And it's an incredible asset to build. And so it's also looking at these decisions. It's like looking at the whole picture as well. I mean, I literally just was working with a client that, you know, bought like four or five farms in, you know, the last like couple years. And they're like having liquidity challenges right now. Right. And we're like figuring out where to create liquidity in their investment portfolio. So my point is, is it's like taking a holistic approach working with an incredible professional like my sisters on this call and, you know, weighing the logic and the emotion. And like, to your point, Sarah, it's like going out and figuring out the numbers that support that logic. Like how much do you qualify for works in your budget? You know, because we emotions can, if it's just an emotional purchase, you could find yourself in a situation where, you know, there's regret, there's other emotional challenges, and you're in a situation that doesn't work financially or, you know, that type of thing. So my message with this is weighing the logic, weighing 
the emotional part of it and know your list too of like non-negotiables, pros and cons, non-negotiables, what are negotiables? Because that will help also sift through kind of the emotional stuff of like what you want. And, you know, often, especially in a challenging market like this, there is going to be some sort of give and take in the process often. And I love that you brought up logic. I mean, that is exactly where the shift needs to occur for there to be a forward propelling motion to this process. You really do have to step out of the emotion and get into that spreadsheet. What are your monthly bills? What are you paying? Where could you cut cost? Where could you create savings? What credit card should you pay off first? That's the logic of this is, hey, here's my credit cards and here's the interest rates I'm paying. Who's got the highest one? And is that the one that I pay off first? I mean, we're certainly not providing financial advice here, but we're talking about getting into the logics, the numbers, the spreadsheets and out of our hearts. You know, because it takes that to move forward in the process. And so, as Claudette said, maybe the lean in is lean into your finances. Spend a little bit of time understanding all of them. If it's an area that you have a lot of stress around, listen, when I was young, I've been on my own since I was 17, paying bills for me was traumatic sometimes. Trauma. Like, stress. And I didn't always have great credit because of that. Just because life or being single for so long and on my own for so long. So for me, eventually finances became trauma. Like I'd go to pay bills and I just didn't like the feeling I had around it. So to your point, Catherine, the way that I got through that is through logic. The way that I got through that is through facts and getting it down on paper, talking to professionals, surrounding myself with people who are going to support me in moving forward. Absolutely. The awareness is critical, right? How does it feel to even deal with finances and budget? And for some of us who has a startup, I can relate to the trauma of writing checks right now. <laughs> right? I bet you can. This is like big financial decisions, which purchasing real estate is at the top. I mean, people buying real estate that it like, that's the, like some people it's like for them, the American dream, they've been raised, you know, to believe like work hard, buy a house, work hard, buy a house. Right. Like that's the American dream. There's a country song around it, right? (laughs) There's songs around it, you know, so There's so much emotion and expectation even that that's the American dream, right? It's like, Mm. oh, no pressure, no pressure. I mean, some people, like, they're the first homeowners in their family lineage, you know? And so, and, you know, it's understanding the emotion container of it, right? And that the power even behind buying a house and what that means for us. And then also, so... The emotion of that and then the logic of it in the two containers. Getting out of your heart and into your head. This is probably one of the few times we'll ever say that because <laughs> we always want you in your heart and leading with your heart. But this is one of those areas we're going to tell you get in your head. Well, everything is hard in math. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is like. It's heart and math, you know, and, mm. and, and like so many things in so many areas of life, 
And it is, you know, that balance for just lack of a better word of that. Right. So that's, it's beautiful. Sarah, I was going to say, you must have been reading my notes. I'm over here taking <laughs> notes. And <laughs> of course I was I am. like, I was like, <laughs> I was literally, <laughs> literally thinking this is probably one of the few times you're going to hear us on this show say, really tap into your head and your logic side, your analytical side. And to your point, Catherine, there is always a place for both, right? And it's figuring out, it's not necessarily balanced. Sometimes it's more hard. Sometimes it's more logic and it's figuring out what it takes for you in each of those, in each of those times. But I think one of the things that happens and I'm going to approach this. I I love the conversation. I'm anytime we're talking mindset, setting goals, having a vision, action. You know, thinking about your why, right? And we've talked about a couple of reasons why owning your own home is important. One is you know, like generational wealth, leaving a legacy, having a place to call your own, security, right? For some people that is important. Identifying what that why is for you is extremely important. What is it that you want? And I know we've got lots of young people, um, or at least the news is telling us that young people generation, I don't know which of which generation we're on now, Z, P. I don't Q, know either. I, I don't know. <laughs> One of the young, young, younger generations, right? They're not so into purchasing a home. You hear that and then you go and look at statistics and they're like buying homes in really high numbers. They're doing things like house hacking to make it possible for them to actually to be able to afford a home, right? And so they might not even live in it, but they own it. It's something that they can always come back to. Maybe it's a, a an investment right now, but it's theirs. And so to Claudette's point, there's always a way. But I want to talk about just lean in for a second into this mindset piece. And again, the media is always reminding us for most of us, not people who are building businesses, maybe, and purchasing, you know, huge things that our homes are probably going to be the biggest purchase we'll ever make, right? For the vast majority of us. And that starts to set this fear piece in motion. Oh, and I'm tied to this thing. It's the biggest, and I, and therefore I have to do it right. If I don't do it right, there's a problem. And just tapping into the fear piece, yes. See that in a logical way. Yes, it probably is the largest purchase you'll make. So what? Right? So so what? That doesn't mean it needs to send you down a path of fear. It is a large purchase. And if you do the things that Claudette and Sarah talked about, you know, some of the things that have been said about approach and hiring a professional, working with a professional, you know, taking care of the logistics of the purchase, if you put yourself in a position to do the things that allow you to move through the process, 
a lot of that fear is going to start to fall away, right? It's going to start to fall away. But the other thing you can do is, is start by identifying what is that fear? Is it the fear, you know, some fears that have been mentioned, the fear of being not a, not enough, rejection. But what's behind that? And I want to talk a little bit, not from the realtor perspective, but my own perspective and experiences. I've only purchased two houses in my life. I purchased one as a single person. And the most recent purchase was as a part of a couple with my husband. And in both cases, well, in the first case, I will say I actually bought my house because of fear. Right? Mm. Because of fear. I bought my house in 2004. And in 2004, the market was ramping up. And I want to say this about markets. There is always going to be a reason not to buy. An up market, a down market, seller's market, buyer's market, there's always going to be a reason not to buy high interest rates, high, whatever. Can't. So if you have a vision, a goal of wanting to own a home or to be an investor and own property, multiple pieces of property, the point's been made, you can find the path to that. You can find an option that will make that happen. If that's what you truly want and you've got a strong why behind it. So in 2004, the prices of houses were going up and up. And I, and I kept going, if I don't buy a house right now, I'll never be able to buy a house. Right. So my emotions were actually on the other side. The fear that was driving me was that I'll never be able to buy a house. And so I have to buy a house now. And if I had stopped to think about it at all, right, what goes up must come down. Eventually it will come down. There are corrections. I didn't understand that at the time. I'm not in real estate as long as Sarah and Claudette. I'm only in a couple of years at this point. And so, and at that time, not at all. So I didn't understand really that it's cyclical. And what goes up comes down. There are corrections. There are crashes, which are just deeper corrections. But the market is always correcting one way or the other, right? And it's at its peak or at its valley. And people trying to time it to get it just right for whatever it is they're trying to do. Again, talk to a professional. So I'm thinking the market's going up. I didn't stop to think, well, It'll get to a point and then it'll start to come down. And maybe that's the best time to buy. And so I bought. But that wasn't the message, Whitney. It's not really your fault. It was not the message then. The message was, it's going crazy and it's going to be crazy and it's getting crazier. Exactly. 2004. (laughs) Exactly. But that was the same message over the last two years, right? Was that it's going up and up and up. And I've worked with some clients over the last couple of years who decided to step away, right? One started with, well, I think I'm going to wait for the crash. I was like, okay, you can do that. But then someone else, it was more about the competition was just so fierce, right? I don't want to subject myself. And then you've got people who are putting in offer after offer and they keep getting built out and it just it, it, it wore people down. 
So things are happening all over the place. But when I was buying, that's all I could think of. So I did everything I could to put myself in a position to be able to purchase a house. I think I looked at three houses, if I remember correctly, three, maybe four houses. I remember my realtor telling me, be prepared that you're going to have to put in multiple offers and be okay if your offer is not accepted. And I said, okay, but I trust that what's for me is for me. I put in one offer, the offer below asking, the offer was accepted. I bought the house and everything was fine. Right. And and I'm not going to say that that's the way it's going to work out for everyone. But if you do what Sarah and Claudette have said, which is position yourself for whatever's going on in the market, just position yourself and be open to being creative and exploring the options, taking some of the emotion out of it, approaching it as a business decision. Right. You can let your heart help you figure out if this is the house for you. That's the place that heart works. Right. But don't let it be drive the business decision of how you structure your deal or how you decide ultimately to move forward. And don't let that fear keep you from moving forward. Here are a couple of things that I had been saying to myself in sort of the years prior to that, like you, Sarah, at some point, you know, I had some credit issues. And instead of feeling like there that it wasn't enough or rejection, I kept telling myself, I am not my net worth. I am not my net worth. Positive net worth, negative net worth, little, big, it doesn't matter. I am not my net worth. I am not my credit score, right? And I think what happens that creates that piece of fear around that is that we think that somehow, or we've let people convince us somehow that that says something about who we are as people. My credit score doesn't say anything about who I am as a person. And here's the funny thing. When we bought this house, my husband's credit score was higher than mine. And I think mine was in the low 700, 725 or something like that. His was like in, in 800 or something. And he kept teasing me about it, right? Teasing me about having a higher credit. And I was like, dude, I'm not my credit score, <laughs> right? And it was just, it's a mantra. I am not my credit score. And I've had way lower credit scores. I've never had a higher credit score than than that 725, but I've had significantly lower. And I'm no different as a person, whether it was in the low sixes or the low sevens. And so you have to, when we're talking about your mindset about this issue and your emotions around it, separate out the truth right? Separate the truth from all the the voices in your head or in the media or Madison Avenue or wherever else those voices come from. If you want to purchase a house, you want to own a home, right? If you want to have a home, you've got to get clear on why it is you want it, 
what it is you need to do to make it happen, right? Identify the fears and then address them. And as important as it is to recognize the the magnitude of the purchase and the seriousness of the purchase, recognize that it's not fatal, right? It's not fatal. And it's serious, but it's not fatal. And so the bigger threat to you really is if it's something that you want to do, not doing it because you allow fear to get in the way. If it's something you want to do and not doing it because you let fear get in the way. Yes. And I love that you point out what's your why? Why is this important to you? And focusing on that why, drawing back into that why when you're getting a little bit confused or overwhelmed in the emotion of the purchasing power. And I love, 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 I am not my net worth. Thank you, Whitney. That's so powerful. I love that you brought up credit score also in that sometimes it takes a little bit of time to become financially prepared to purchase. But until you know what that formula is, and it's a formula, trust me, it's a logical, mathematical formula. Until you know what that formula is, you don't know where to move towards. You could save. You could pay your bills on time. Those don't equal buying power. What equals buying power is fitting into the formula that's going to get you the amount of money that comfortably gets you to the payment that you're comfortable with to get comfortably get you into home ownership. And so if you are feeling some emotions or some fears around your credit score, reach out to a realtor who's going to connect you with an amazing trustworthy lender that will help you rebuild your credit and lay out the formula. It's okay if it takes six months to achieve that formula. It's okay if it takes two years to achieve that formula. I even had someone who was a 1099 employee, I mean, 1099 independent contractor, making really great money, but because of the way they filed their taxes, they weren't qualifying to get the refinance they wanted to do some renovations on their property. And I bring this up because the formula was go get a part-time job, minimum wage paying job at Starbucks to work 20 hours a week. And that will give you a enough. And this was just in that person's scenario. It's not everybody's. I'm not saying that. But this is why it's important to partner with somebody and get the formula is all she needed to do was have not she needed a regular income for a period of time that wasn't independent 1099 contractor payment. That's what that lender was looking for from her in her scenario. That, if reasonable for you, is a simple fix. Two days on the weekend working at Starbucks for a period of time could be what gets you to the end result. And that end result was going to make her money, make her a lot of money. It was going to raise the equity in her property. It was going to improve the property. It was going to improve her net worth. And we're looking, you know, that's what she was looking to do. So if you have, sometimes you can get in touch with a lender. And one of the most beautiful things they do is offer a program that raises your credit score. That can be as simple as sometimes some lenders pay themselves. Or 
you pay 99 bucks or maybe it's 200 bucks. But to your point, Whitney, when you were talking about your husband was comparing scores, the score matters on the interest rate. So to correct the credit may take a month or two, or maybe it takes six months. It depends on what you need to do. It could be simple as selling an asset to pay off something else. But whatever that formula is, we don't know until we're in touch with the professionals. And let me tell you, as a realtor, I don't know the formula either. It takes a lender. It does. It takes a communication with a lender and making application for someone to understand your story. And so, and to become educated about the formula, we're getting back to the logics of it. I would say before you move off of that, just real quickly, you, you, you know, you talked about this 1099, just because I know we've got independent contractors in our audience. I want to say this, this speaks to the importance of your professionals, your tax professionals, in, in addition to your real estate professional, financial professional, right? That lender that you're working with. Our situation was my husband is self-employed. So his income varies. I, at the time we bought this house, had had just left a job. I have a steady pension, right? So we have regular income, but I also have a business and I had just started my real estate business and hadn't made a profit yet, right? So all the expenses that go into it, but I hadn't made a profit. I hadn't filed a tax return that had a profit. So the first year was just all expenses, that ended up counting against us in purchase when we w- went to purchase the home, right? So when the initial numbers were run and they add, did all the income, we were qualified for X amount. When we submitted the paperwork, the tax return, and then the profit and loss statements for that particular year, it turned out we were able to borrow significantly less because of the losses in my business. And so I just want to make this point. If you are an independent contractor or you're someone who has a side hustle that may not have a profit, to think about, we do one thing to minimize our taxes, right? Yeah. May not be in alignment with setting you up to maximize what you can, your purchasing power. And so you want to make sure that you're working with professionals and sometimes they need to be working in concert so that everyone understands what it is you're trying to do. Holistic, I don't know who said this earlier, but holistic, all of this needs to be looked at in a holistic manner and not in individual buckets, silos. So. And I love that because to your point, it could mean that your lender and your tax professional that's filing the taxes for the next year in preparation for a purchase need to be in communication. Everybody needs to be as a team working for you and your financial goals. Or Catherine may tell you, you know, all, all of those people, if you've got a Catherine who's a financial advisor in your life, having everybody on the same page as to what the future goal is, is beneficial so everybody can lead you in the right direction of getting prepared for the final why, right? Getting to that why. 
So thank you for bringing that up. And and thank you for sharing your personal story, Whitney, because I think it's super helpful to so many of us out there. But there is heart in real estate. I know it's math and heart. And and I we've been talking about being so logical. We're mentioning the logic today to get you out of the fears of that are wrapped around it. If you're having problems moving forward, that's where the logic is coming in in this conversation. But let me tell you, when I'm in a house with a couple or an individual and it's the right home, I can tell because I can see it in them. That's the emotion. There is, when it's right and it's the best home for you, it is visibly evident to me as a realtor. So actually partnering with a realtor, I'm going to promote realtors here for a second. They are the logic in the situation while you're high level emotion, they're going to bring the logic down. But a good realtor is also not looking to just shove a house down your throat. They're looking to see the house bond with you. So we know moving forward there, I promise you in the right home, there's always a feeling. You have a feeling that this feels right. Now you may not get that home. You may be in competition and there may be a lot of homes that feel right for you. But all of that being said, you know, it's a well-rounded process involving logic and emotion. Whitney mentioned asking questions. Claudette mentioned just lean in, get started. Catherine mentioned bringing up the logic and the math to it. What makes sense for you? She mentioned buying her first home. I don't know her personal story, but I'm going to guess everything she did in moving from a $2,500 rental into purchasing a home, she actually has gained an enormous amount of equity. And if you don't know what equity means, it's the money that your home has in value as an asset from the time that you purchased the property minus the expenses that you've put in, right? That is the equity of a property. And so she's got a lot of equity and that equity is given potentially Catherine some leverage in her life. And this is why we're talking about the dream of home ownership being such a powerful thing in moving the trajectory of your generational wealth forward. I don't know how to make it any more simple, but (laughs) that's what I'm saying. So I'd like to open the floor up for some final finals. Claudette, I saw you raise your hand. What say you? I just want to say, you know how we talked about the wholeness of it. Your gut feeling and the numbers will be in alignment when it's right. Everything will be like everything. If you have a gut feeling that is saying no, but it logically makes sense on paper, don't do it. If you feel like it's your house, but it doesn't make sense on paper, don't do it. Like they both come together and it just works. I've seen it for everybody. It just works out. People that go against their gut feeling have regrets of purchasing. And I think another big fear people have, fear of making the wrong decision. You know, I think somebody mentioned that. It's okay. If you wish to sell your house, just don't do it in a downturn. And then you won't lose money if you have to get relocated. You know, this is the thing about having a team for you got, you know, get a good lender that cares, get a really good agent that cares. And I would say Sarah cares a lot 
Whitney cares a lot. I care a lot. You know, we all do. But get that. And if you can't quite do it yet, you have to pay debt down or let's say your credit's not stellar, your score's below the rate, get a good credit repair person that cares. And I'm just going to say I have a local one that's amazing and very affordable and doesn't keep just charging and charging and charging. He quotes, I'll get your credit here. Here's what the cost is going to be. And he does it. He has high ratings and has consistently been in business. Work with people that once you talk to them, your gut's telling you, okay, this is it. Form your team and then form your plan and be open for all that, you know, be open for their suggestions. We make suggestions to protect you into, they're based on experience, you know, of what works best and how we can put you in the best position of leverage when going in to negotiate all of that. And so, but it's really important to have your gut and your logic working together. And then you have a superpower working on your back. Thank you, Claudia. I love it. Superpower all day. Superpower team. And that's what it takes. So, you know, those who venture out to represent themselves, more power to them. It's a full-time job for me and um, keeping up with everything that's going on the market. So I am all for forming that team of professionals that are going to move us forward into really great wealth and, and, and leverage in life. I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying that the obstacle is the path. The obstacle is the path. The things that are in our way are a part of our journey and not to let that hold you back, whether that's fear or anything else, your finances, your credit score, work through the issues, develop a team of professionals and just knock them down one after the other. There is a path forward for you. Just find the options that will work for you. Find the options that'll work for you. The path is the obstacle. I love that. That's so true in so many different ways, Whitney. I was just going to say, would you, like Sarah, all of your incredible wisdom and the heart, the math, the, like, I just, all that kept coming to my mind is this is why you're the matchmaker of real estate. I am the matchmaker of real estate. (laughs) I love matchmaking. She's the queen, the queen matchmaker. The queen matchmaker, you know, and there's just like so many moving parts to these purchases that having the team. And then like you said, Claudette, having people who care, there's a lot of details and, you know, having that person, those professionals, that team that go above and beyond makes all of the difference of the journey being smooth. It really, really makes all the difference. There's so many moving parts. Well, I love that, Catherine. And just to your point, we calculated at one time from our perspective on a seller's side, there were over 158 items for them to think about or consider. We were taking on probably all but about 10. And so, you know, what we do on the back end is often not even recognized, but it's all of those other 148 items 
we're handling them for you. We're thinking about them. We're checking in on them and we're making sure that the process is safe because there is a lot. And that's just our side. That didn't include the lender's side. That didn't include the title company's side. That didn't include all the inspectors involved and their side of their checklist. So I would gather that it'd probably be pretty quickly that we could get to about 800 different things that happen during a real estate transaction by all of the professionals involved. And so that team matters. Um, and I, I love that you brought that to light. Yeah. And it's usually what you all do so beautifully as the caring agent that connects all that and brings all of the that 800, you know, with four or five other professionals together to make it all work for the home buyer in a time on time to meet the goals, to meet the deadlines. I mean, there is a lot involved. So having that caring team, especially like the agent is like the quarterback of that team. And it will, it is the difference between a smooth process, meeting your goals and the opposite. Well, you're so right. It's like realtors are not just people who show homes, but we're also band directors. We're directing the entire concert of everybody, all the players and getting them. And, you know, every once in a while they get a little wonky and it doesn't sound right, (laughs) but we're there to redrive it and to refocus it and to keep all parties playing well together. So thank you for bringing that up. And yeah, matchmaking is it. I love matchmaking. And that's probably why I'm always looking to see how that person's feeling in the house, because is it the right match for them? This isn't sales. This is one of the top three things that you will do in your entire life. Should you journey out to buying real estate, we have death, marriage, real estate, children, jobs. All of these are major things. And some, I think the average is most people only buy two homes these days in their entire life. So nobody expects you to know it all. Nobody expects you to be a professional. And it is, it's one of the bigger things that you'll ever do. So we're hoping as you, the audience, were able to find some useful tools on moving past what might be holding you up and what's preventing you from moving into home ownership. Sarah, thank you for leading that insightful conversation. I know I learned some things and mindset, fear is a a huge part of what keeps us from moving forward in lots of things and in real estate in particular. So we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond Your Best Plan. If you have not already, please rate and review our show. Join us on our Facebook page and on Instagram to share how you have moved past any fears that you've had in real estate purchase uh, in the past, or if you're going through the process right now, how we might be able to help you uh, change that mindset. But before we go, Sarah, we would love to hear what you have going on and how our audience can get in touch with you. Thank you, Whitney. What do we have going on? Well, as the owner of the JS Realty team in a market that is up and down and all around, 
we'll call it a roller coaster these days. One of the main things that we're doing is focusing on understanding our market, understanding what's happening day in and day out because our market is changing daily. And one of the ways that we're sharing that information is through our unscripted show on Every Thursday, we have the Unscripted Real Estate Show. It's myself and five to six experts from the Northern Virginia area coming together, talking about real estate, talking about local market, and ways to prevent making some mistakes. We're looking at educating our area population on where we're at in real estate and do's and don'ts. You can reach us at the JS Realty team, the number four, the letter U.com or Sarah at JS Realty for you.com. Awesome. Nothing like being educated uh, so that that can make make informed decisions. So uh, check out Sarah's show and uh, get in touch with her if you have need for real estate purchase in that area or a referral from her for someone outside of her area. So again, we want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, remember, there's no place like home. The Fab Five thanks you for joining us today as we assist you in moving beyond your best plans. We just ask that this week you find one way to step into your authentic self. Listen, review, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, You can find us at beyondyourbestplan.com. See you on the other side of your best plan.